Praise be to God. We are grateful to the Lord our God how that He has blessed us with so many things and that He has given us the opportunity to become a part of the kingdom of God. He has he's given us the opportunity to become a part of the unfolding of the plans, the purposes, and the will of God throughout the ages. And we are in the midst of that. And as we've come before the Lord, we are grateful that we can, I, I can relate to you uh, the answers to your prayers. I ask you to pray, especially for Vietnam, donor who's with us or who's no longer with us. We have basically about three or four priests there, and they definitely said we are CC. Okay, and we have uh, we should have three seats and deacons, but two left. <laughs> but the four who uh, stayed with us, they said we are CC, and there are other leaders of other churches there uh, who said we would like to become part of. Uh, what God is doing through the CDC. So, the last time they were visited was two years ago, and we didn't know what was happening to them. And I'm, I'm relaying this to you because this is part of what God is doing within His kingdom. Amen? This is part of kingdom work. And as we come before the Lord our God this day, we're talking about from their treasure, things old and new, the family of God. Okay, praise be to God. As we have as we have heard the different readings for today, okay, basically I believe this is what the Spirit of God is trying to communicate to us this day. Okay? It's this. Let us consider the kingdom of God as our most valuable treasure. Let us consider the kingdom of God as our most valuable treasure. When you talk about the kingdom of God, you must talk about the king. Amen? Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If the kingdom of God is going to be valuable to us, then praise be to God, the king of the kingdom, Jesus Christ, must be valuable to us. We, we, we know what Jesus Christ said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That means love him more than anything else and more than anybody else. Okay? He says we, we should love him more than we love our families, more than we love our parents, more than we love our children. As a matter of fact, when we love God properly, then we will love our parents, we will love our families, we will love our children, our spouses properly also. Amen? So we need to understand that. And, and love basically is a choice that we make. And if we love God, then it will influence the choices, uh, the decisions that we make in life. For example, we heard from the uh, first reading how that God came to Solomon. Solomon was still a child. Okay? Solomon became a king when he was still a child. And in a dream, God came to him and said to him, Ask me what it is that you want and I will give it to you. Ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. You know what that is? That's a blank check. Okay? He didn't, God didn't say, ask me but only spiritual things. 
God didn't say, ask me, but only concerning uh, your family. No, God says, ask me, and I will give it to you. That's a blank check. What would happen if God gave you a blank check? What would you ask? Would you ask for a promotion? Would you ask for an increase in the race? Not just a race, but a higher race. So there's an increase there, right? Would you ask for 13th month, 14th month, 15th month, 16th month pay? Would you ask for the blessing of your business so that your business would prosper and grow? Amen? Would you ask for a dream vacation? Would you ask to be sent on a cruise? There's really nothing wrong with those requests. You understand what I'm saying? So don't be defensive. Okay? But basically, the, 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 the requests that we, we, we give to God reflects what's valuable to us. Amen? I mean, think about this. Solomon was a young kid. Maybe eight. I don't know. Eight, ten, eleven, twelve. I don't know. But he became king. And God came to him in a dream. And God said, ask me whatever it is you want, and I'll give it to you. What are the normal things that a kid at his age asked for? He could have asked for a lot of toys. He did not. Right? He could have asked, Lord, I really don't want to be king. Get somebody else to become king. I just want to play my life. Too much responsibility. He could have asked that. He didn't. He could have asked, well, you know what? My enemies, they're insulting me, they're acting at us because I'm too young, Lord. I asked for the defeat of my enemies. He could have asked that. He could have asked, Lord, give me all the wealth of the world. He could have asked that. You understand what I'm saying? He could have asked, Lord, make me the smartest. The brightest he could have asked that. But that's not what he asked. What did he ask? He said, Lord, you made me king. And I'm not even old enough to lead your people. And so, oh God Almighty, I ask that you would give me a wise and understanding heart so that I might serve your people well. You understand what I'm saying? Why did he ask that? Because to him, it is more important to please God. It is more important to please the Father. It is more important to serve the Lord of God. And that's the reason he asked that thing. Amen? So he asked, give me a wise start. Why? Because I would like to lead your people. Why? Because that's one way he can serve God. As a king, he understood this is a nation that was formed by God. Maybe he didn't really understand the beginning. But he had teachers, he had scribes, he had the Pharisees to teach him, he had the priests to teach him, he had prophets to tell him about this and that. You know, as a kid, when they're growing up, 
they're required to memorize uh, basically their root system, their ancestors, and how they came to be. And God was always part of the equation. And so he understood because God is the most important thing in his life that influenced the, the, the answer to the question of God. Ask me whatever you want. I'll give it to you. Now I've heard some people say, well you know what? I was a pest. If he had asked for riches, God would not have given it to him. If he had asked for the life of his enemies, God would not have given it to him. Well, I don't know why people preach that. Because I know God is a God of his word. You understand what I'm saying? If God says something, he'll do it. We have placed our faith and our trust in the promises of God from the time we came here. From the time I came here in 1987. And we have not seen God fail. Amen? So we need to understand the church. So if he had asked for riches, God would have given it to him. But that's all he would have done. If had asked for riches, he might have become the richest king in the whole world. But then his enemies would begin to envy him. And they might launch an attack against his kingdom. And they might have stolen everything that he had. He would have lost everything that he had. Understand what I'm saying? Okay? So, praise be to God, he asked because he loved God. That's the way he asked. I asked, oh God, for a wise heart. I asked, oh God, for an understanding heart that I might be your people, but they're your people. I recognize that. I'm not going to play with them, I'm going to lead them. And I ask, oh God, that you give me a wise and understanding heart. You know what? That request pleased God so much. God said to him, because you've done that, you did not ask for the life of your enemies. You did not ask for riches or gold. You did not ask for multiplication of forces. Because you asked that, I will give that to you. Okay? God says, I will make you the wisest man who's ever lived. And because you ask that, because you really want to serve me, and that's the reason you ask the way you ask, not only will I give you what you've asked for, I will give you what you have not asked for. You did not ask for riches, I'll give you that. You did not ask for more power, I'll give you that. He did not ask for this, I'll give you that. Do you understand what Jesus Christ said? When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. That principle of addition and multiplication in the kingdom of God was working for King Solomon at that particular time. You have to understand when you love God, when you put him first, you will never ever lose out in the kingdom of God. Amen? There's nothing that you sacrifice for God. And in the end, you will find out that God returns more to you than your sacrifice in the beginning would it even look like a sacrifice. You understand what I'm saying? So we need to understand that, church. Uh, we are to treasure, we are to value the kingdom of God like a treasure in our lives. You know, we have uh, things that we treasure in our lives, maybe pictures, 
uh, maybe someone that we just love so much gave us something, and you know, it might be a bottle of perfume. The perfume is long gone, but you know, because of the person who gave that, you keep that as a keepsake. Call it sentimental value. Why? Because we value those things. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we've got drawings of our daughters when they were kids. It's just like that. It's not a work of art. Okay? They just made that a paper, they put their colors on it. It's not a work of art. But that's something our kids did when they were young. To other people, that might look like French. They're going to go to our house and they need to throw things away. They might oh, this is trash. They'll throw it away. The work keeping that. Because those are what our kids, they were the first expressions of their creativity when they were still young kids. You understand what I'm saying? And when it comes to the kingdom of God, we should show value to the kingdom of God. Now, let's look at our uh, gospel today, Mark, Matthew rather, Matthew 13, verse 44 to 52. Okay, and two things I'd like to share with you from this particular gospel. First thought is this, so it's uh, basically a repetition of what I've already said. I'm basing this in verse 44 to 46. Let your treasure be the kingdom of God. Let your treasure be the kingdom of God. Verse 44 to 46, and then we'll come back to that. The second thought I'd like to share with you is this. Let's not run away from the Lord's dragons and stay there until the end. Let's not run away from the Lord's dragon, or you could say, the Lord's mercy. Let's not run away from the Lord's dragon or the Lord's mercy and stay there until the end. Okay? Going back uh, to the first thought, let, us let your treasure be the kingdom of God. Let me just read verse 44 and 46. Okay, 44 to 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, seeking beautiful pearls, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. Now, think of it says here, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like. When the Lord Jesus Christ was on the earth, he only preached one thing, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He was showing us what is valuable in the kingdom of heaven. He was showing us the kind of attitudes that we should have in the kingdom of heaven. Understand this church, you are being trained to live in heaven. Hello? You are being trained to rule and reign with Jesus Christ throughout eternity. One day, Jesus Christ will come again. Okay? I mean, he's more faithful than I shall admit. If General MacArthur fulfilled his promise of coming back to the Philippines, and he didn't have to, because when they were coming up with a plan in invading Japan, uh, some of the upper generals says, you don't have to go to the Philippines. You can go straight to Formosa, okay, Japan. But General MacArthur said, No, I made a promise to the people of the Philippines and I shall return. 
And yes, going to Formosa might be faster. But because I made a promise to the people of the Philippines, I will go back to the Philippines. Okay? Now, he could have died before that. There's so many things that could have happened that could have prevented him from coming back. Okay? But praise be to God, if we can expect an ordinary person, a mortal man, to fulfill his promises to us under the most difficult situations, how much more can we rely on the Son of God to fulfill his promise? We know that Jesus Christ came the first time. So many times in the Holy Scriptures it has been foretold that someone is coming, someone is coming. And when Jesus Christ was born, okay, he came like us, born of a virgin. That was his first coming. And then uh, he grew up, he lived a life of obedience to God, served God, and he suffered for our sins, and he died for us. He was buried for us. Then he rose again from the grave. He called the disciples, and then one day he rose within their sight. You know, he, he just went up, and he was swallowed by the clouds. But he said to them, the angels, you know, the angels were looking at the apostles because they were still looking at the clouds. And the angel says, he will come back the same way he went up. He went up, one day he will come back again. Jesus Christ will come back again one day. And we are nearer that time than any time in history. Because we are seeing prophetic markers being fulfilled or taking their place in the pattern. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? And if we can rely on him, then we need to understand how the choices that we make in this in this in this in-between period. The first coming and the second coming. First coming has already happened. The second coming is yet to happen. We are in the in-between period. So while we are in the in-between period, what do we do? Jesus Christ gives us insights how to live during the in-between period. Uh, two Sundays ago, we talked about the parable of the sower sowing the seed, right? Jesus Christ said to us that the seed is the word of God, all right? And to see the word of God, the truth of God, must be planted in our hearts for it to grow. Okay? And he talked about the heart that was distracted by so many cares. He talked about the, the heart that was not fully committed, so it's only shadow. Okay? But then he talked about the heart that valued the treasure of the kingdom of God, and it started to uh, bear fruit in their lives, okay? 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. He's telling us that while we are in the in-between period, bearing fruit is not up to God, okay? Some people say, well, the reason I'm not bearing fruit is because it's not the will of God for me to bear fruit. No. Bearing fruit is up to us because God already gave us the seeds of the kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? God already gave us something that is proven to work. Alright? What we do with what God has given us will determine the kind of experiences that we will have. 
And we cannot blame God if we don't see what we are reading about in the Holy Scriptures. Amen? So it's up to us to take what God has given and plant them in our life. It's our choice. In this particular parable, he shows us that there is an enemy who is always wanting to steal the word of God from the people. Right? Then, the other Sunday, he talked about the parable of the wheat and the tares. Wheat, that's good. Good for tares, they look like wheat. In the beginning, you can't tell the difference between wheat and tares. Wheat, that's good fruit. Tares, it's poisonous fruit. It looks good, like the wheat, but its influence is poison. It's toxic. You understand what I'm saying? And he's saying, in the beginning, let them grow together. Don't pull out the wheat, uh, don't pull out the tares immediately. Why? Because tares could suddenly become wheat, like St. Paul. St. Paul was an enemy of the church in the beginning, wasn't he? He was going from house to house, not to preach the gospel. He was going from house to house, and he was imprisoning the Christians. He was tearing apart families. And he was not content in doing that within his own territory. He went to the priest of the other territory and he says, Give me letters of authorization so that I might have the authority to go into this territory and I might repeat there what I've just done here. He was not just content in persecuting the Christians within his, 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 uh, his backyard. He wanted to go to the other places and persecute them also. He was a tear. He was very toxic in the beginning. But along the way, he had an encounter with Jesus. Right? And he gave his life to Jesus. And he became one of the greatest apostles there is. According to the Holy Scriptures, in two years, all of Asia at that time was evangelized because of him. And because of him, we have two-thirds of the New Testament. Amen? What would have happened if he was judged in the beginning? What would have happened if he had died in the beginning? Then we would have the same call. We would not know the blessings that are ours that is in Christ Jesus. God gave him that revelation. He wrote in Ephesians, don't you know that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places? Don't you know that you have been raised up with Jesus in heavenly places, that where Jesus Christ sits, it is the place of authority, and because you are in him, that authority is yours also. He says, don't you know that all the problems taking place in the world they're not random. There are spiritual forces out there who's trying to destroy the kingdom of God, but God has given you the armor of God. And by every prayer and intercession, you need to pull down those strongholds. He told us it's not up to God to pull down the strongholds. He said the church empowered by God can pull down those strongholds. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? The parable of the tares and the wheat, 
the Lord showed us one day the end will come, Jesus will come, separate the wheat from the tares. You need to understand, God did not make the wheat to be wheat and the tares to be tares. The tares could say, it's unfair, God. You created me a tear. Okay? Why did you create me weak? Why did you make me a tear? Why would you judge me and throw me to the eternal fire? You created me a tear. It's so unfair, God. God did not determine who would be weak. God did not determine who would be a tear. You determined that. Do you understand what I said? Okay? I just posted something on Facebook. Of uh, the guy who planted the first church of Lucifer in Texas. Okay? It's posted that on Facebook. I mean, I, the story apparently was that his sister died. And because his sister died, he was angry at God. He thought he blamed God for that. And because of that, he decided to serve Lucifer. And so he built the first church of Lucifer in 2000. I know. And it grew. It became a church. Quote unquote. You know that they are not honoring the king of the kingdom. You know that they're not honoring the word of God. Okay? They were preaching a message that is destroying the message of the kingdom of God. They were in the business of creating more tears. If God's kingdom is creating more disciples for the kingdom of God, they were concerned about creating more disciples for Lucifer. He was uh, enemy number one in the eyes of some people. But there was one church who prayed for him. And one day, while he was passing through that church, he felt he needed to stop. And he went to that church, asked for the pastor. They made an appointment. And then he gave his life to Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? The founder of the first church of Lucifer in Texas gave his life to Jesus. And he asked to be baptized. But before he got baptized, he says, we would like to renew my wedding vows with my wife. I found my wife. She was an occultist, and you know, we had a marriage covenant in, 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 in the church of Lucifer. And he says, I want to do this again because we made vows there. And I, I understand we need to break those vows. So he says, I rebuke, I break the covenants that we made under Lucifer by the blood of Jesus. And I renew my covenant with you now under Jesus. They renewed their vows to each other, and then they were baptized. He was once a tear, now he's a wheat. You understand what I'm saying? You make yourself weak by following the teachings of the Son of God. You make yourself a tear if you walk away from the teachings of the Son of God. And according to Jesus, the time will come where the choices that you made in this life you will find out they matter in the mix. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? Now here, 
we have the parable of Jesus, because, you know, he, he told us uh, something, that there's a, a, a war that's going on out there. Okay? And he's telling us this is the kind of attitude that we have. First, in verse 44, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He talks about someone who finds the kingdom of God. He stumbles into the kingdom of God. He wasn't really looking for the kingdom of God. He was just going about life. Okay? I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was pursuing his own dream. Uh, maybe he was pursuing his own career. But in, you know, while he was doing that, he stumbled into a field and he found a treasure there. Okay? And he said he, 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 he bought the field, he sold everything that he had just that just so that he could get that field and dig up that fortune. Okay? Uh, it's talking about people who by the mercy and the grace of God, even though they were looking for God, found God. Or God found them, and because of that, they found God. I was reading the story of this African person. He was the son of two witch doctors in Africa. Okay, and you know he was a young boy, maybe five, six, or seven, or eight. And you know he said, "My dad and my mom, they were witch doctors. They were in contact with demon spirits. Okay, there were some strange things that happened in our house." But then one night he says, I was just reading, and I heard a voice in the night that says, wake up, leave the house, if you don't, you will be killed. He said, it's a powerful voice, it's a voice of authority, but it's also a voice with kindness in it. It's so different from the voices of the demons that I've learned to know. And it was so very insistent. He says, in the middle of Africa, we were, in the middle, we were somewhere in the forest, and I heard this voice. Wake up, leave your house, if you don't, you will be killed. So he gets up obediently, still didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know the God of the Bible. All he knew were demon spirits, spirits introduced to him by his witch doctor parents. And so he leaves the house and he runs to the jungle. Okay? He stays in the jungle with a friend for so long and then they emerge into a clearing. He was hungry. He was tired. And there was an old man there. And the old man says, Oh, I was waiting for you guys. This was after so many weeks, months. And he's and they said, How, how did you know we were going to come out of the jungle? Oh, the Lord showed me in a dream that you guys are going to come out and you're exactly how I saw you. And this person taught them Bible stories. That's where he first found out about Jesus. And, you know, when he found out about Jesus, he embraces, he rejected the witch doctor culture that he grew up in. And he started preaching even before he had the Bible. His name is Surprise Sitpoli. Sitpoli, that's his name. Surprise Sitpoli. And uh, he says that I just remember the Bible stories this old man taught me. I didn't have a Bible. And he started preaching. One day he got a Bible. He says, 
Oh no, some of my Bible stories are wrong. <laughs> That's why he found out he was not teaching everything because he didn't know. Okay? But he started preaching even before, and God was working miracles through him. Through his effort in that part of Africa, he was able to build up 10,000 churches. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, this guy didn't know who God was. I mean, what caused God to tell him, get up out of the house? Eventually, you know, there was a rebel group that came out in that part of Africa, and they started going to the villages, terrorizing, and his village was one of those that they terrorized. His parents got killed in that particular situation. And you know, when he was going back, they warned him, be careful, because they planted landmines there. And he was riding a truck, and the truck ran over a landmine, it exploded. He says, I saw myself going up, and then I saw big hands holding me. People were spilling on the ground, but he said, they placed me in the middle of the road, soft as a feather. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, he wasn't looking for the kingdom of God. But when God found him and he found God, he made God his treasure. He says, from now on, there's nothing I would like to do but serve this God who made himself known to me. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know what we were doing there. I was in the business of selling insurance during my early life when God came into my life. That parable teaches us that we are to treasure God. Sell out to God. Give up everything to God. Make it your treasure. And the second parable here, the parable of the pearls, it says, in verse 46, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The first one, God found him, and because God found him, he found God. The second one was really seeking. Okay, he was seeking for the truth. He was not content with where he was. He knew there's got to be more. You mean this, there's all, this is all there is to life? That we're born on the earth, we're given a good education, you know, we study in preparation to prepare us for, for, for grade school. We study grade school to prepare us for high school. We study high school to prepare us for college. We study college to prepare us for the life that we have. Then we marry someone, we have children, our children get married, we become godparents, we grow old, we retire, we die. That's it? Is that all there is to life? There are people who are seeing, there must be more. There must be more. And these people who are seeking found the pearl of great price. The first group, the treasure in the field, that's Jesus and the kingdom of God. The second group, seeking, they found the pearl of great price, that's Jesus and the kingdom of God. When they both found it, they had one response. I'll give up everything for the kingdom of God. I will make it my treasure. Take note, the first group did not say, why, why would I even 
bother with this thing. I wasn't even interested in it. I was just going through my life, stumbling about, going about my life, when this thing happened to me. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask uh, to be shown this. No, they did not treat it that way. We would understand why the person who found the birth of great Christ treasured it. He was seeking, and finally he found it. I understand why he would give up everything for the pearl of great price. But this guy, the first guy, he was stumbling about in life, and you know, he was not really seeking. But now that he found it, he was not trivializing it. He was not treating it as an ordinary thing. He treasured it. So what God is telling us that in the in between here, when Satan is trying to tell us there are more important things to do, more important people to meet, more important places to be. Okay? God is telling us while you are in the in-between period, treasure this kingdom that you have become a part of. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what is the motivation that he gives to us? Well, are you learning something from this? We go to the second part. Let's not run away from the Lord's dragon and stay there until the end. From verse 47 to 52, it says here, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragon that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. It shows us the mercy of God being given to everyone. Okay? Which, when it was full, they drew it to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. Okay? They, the dragon was full. That means the good and the not so good were exposed in the mercy of God. I wouldn't even be surprised if this includes people within the church. Uh, how many of you know what's been happening, especially in the government, because it's always on the news? There's a particular Government officially, he's supposed to be the fourth highest official of the land. Okay? And he's trying to get the bill on divorce passed. Right? Right? And he says, well, you know what? I'm a member of this particular tribe. And in this particular tribe, we are allowed to marry as many wives as we want. I don't know, that's what I heard. I might be wrong, but that's what he said. Last night, or the other night, they interviewed this strange wife. And this strange wife said, Well, you make it sound that we've been separated for a long time. That's not true. He only abandoned me when he became the speaker of the house. That was just last year. Okay, all right, and when I married him, he was a Roman Catholic. So what happened? You understand what I'm saying? As a Roman Catholic, you can only marry one wife, right? So what's he talking about that is a member of this particular tribe that allows him to remarry many times over. Did he at one point renounce 
his baptism in the Roman Catholic Church and Turk of his tribe just so that he could marry another wife and divorce the other one. I mean, he's trying to pass on a bit on the dissolution of marriage. You understand what I'm saying? There are people in the church who are making decisions against the church. You understand what I'm saying? Why aren't they stricken down at once? Because God is always giving people like that a chance to say, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I repent. And the moment they do that, God will forgive them. Just like that. That's what I'm saying. How many of you heard of the Maute group in Marawi City? Are you praying for that? Okay, you're praying for that. What kind of prayer are you praying? Lord, I pray that they all die. We can pray for them so that God might reveal himself to them, right? Because the moment he does, some of them will repent. And the moment they repent, God will forgive them. They might live a changed life, but some of us might feel like Jonah. Why did you forgive them? <laughs> Don't you know how many people they kill? Yes, God does know that. And you know, you have to leave it to God at the end of time how he balances out his justice. Because God is just. You have to understand that. Right now, we understand his mercy. Right now, we are living in an age of grace. And because God is so very gracious, people think that God is a pushover. People think that they can get away with anything because it seems that God is just winking at what we're doing and he's just smiling. It's okay because I love you. See, we are in an age of grace. God's giving us time. Uh, according to St. Peter, he says, God is not slack concerning his promises, but he does not desire any one of us to get lost. So he's giving us as much time as necessary to come back to him and repent and be reconciled to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, they're inside the church and they seem to be doing some of the stupid things. And you know, it's not over yet. As long as they're breathing and Christ has not come back, when will time end for us? First is when you die. When you die, that's it. The time for making right decisions are over. The second, the second uh, way that time ends for you is when Jesus Christ comes. Okay? Some people think that they will have time, especially when the, when the heavens are rolled up like a scroll. And then they suddenly see the angels coming on the sea. And then Jesus Christ will be coming back. They think that this would happen for about maybe 24 hours. You don't know that. Because according to the Holy Scriptures, He will come and things will happen in the twinkling of an eye. He won't, you know, I, I'm going to break all the commandments. I'll break the Ten Commandments. And not being content with that, I'll come up with the Eleventh and the Twelfth Commandment and break that. Oh, he's coming. Lord, forgive me. 
I still have 10 hours. Let me do something illegal first. I can question. Now, scripture says he will come in the blink of an eye. In the twinkling of an eye. In a nanosecond. Okay? You won't have time. Don't play that game. I still have time. Don't play that game. Take the grace of God while you're still able. Seek the Lord while he can yet be found. Because one day, it will be too late. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you learning from this? He said, they were caught in the dragnet. They were caught in the mercy of God. They were inside the church. But even though they were inside the church, they were not living it up according to what the Lord said. So he said, there will come a time that he will gather them into vessels. He will throw the bat away. Verse 49, he says what that will be. So it will be at the end of the age. One thing you need to understand, this age will end. When? I don't know. For people who die, I just heard last night, one of my contemporaries, you know, she was my, she was one of the teachers I listened to when I took up certain classes in, in uh, Christian Training Center, CDC. Uh, this was early in 1984, uh, 85, I attended CDC classes. She was one of the teachers there. I just heard last night, she died. For her, eternity has started. For her, this age has ended. Okay? But there is an official end of the age. When you say end of the world, it's not that everything will be destroyed, but there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Okay? It says, there, if this will happen at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. They know there is a furnace of fire. There is a literal hell. Some people think, well, this world is where we find hell. Especially if you're living in the Middle East or in certain parts of Africa, and there's war, and there's this happening. Yeah, there's the evil man. This is hell. Well, it feels like hell, but believe me, hell is a million times worse than the most painful events on the earth. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? He says, there will be, first of all, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's so painful. All you can do is grip your teeth because there's no painkiller. Okay? There's wailing. Uh, these are cries coming from a heart filled with hopelessness. Do you know why? Because being in the furnace of fire is not going to be in one million years. It's not going to be 100 billion years. It's not going to be 100 billion trillion years. Because no matter how many zeros you put behind one, as long as it's a number, there is a limitation when that number is up. That means your suffering is over. Right? But this is eternity. This is eternity of suffering. 
Potato, this is what he's talking about here. Why did he talk about heaven? Okay? I keep telling people Jesus Christ talks more about hell than, than, than heaven. Well, yes, he mentions heaven. But he wants people to be aware that don't go there, don't choose to go there. Believe my father, believe me. Choose my ways, live my ways. Don't become bad fish. Don't become a tear. Live your life like wheat. Then he says, Jesus said to them, have you understood all this thing? They said, yes, Lord. Then he said to them, therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things to you and things all. That means he's saying, if you understand this, then these things will not just be in a notebook. If you understand this, then you will live your life according to the principles of the kingdom of God. Your life, your choices, your priorities, your purposes in life will reflect your, your, your priorities in life. It will reflect whether you really understood this. Someone who's understood this will live according to the principles of the kingdom of God. And no matter how hard it gets, no matter how painful it gets, they will not abandon that. They will give it up to me. I'm in it. I'm out of you, I'm sorry. Oh, praise God, it's all strong, yeah.